0: Hello microbe friends, I'm Dr. Justine Dees and welcome to the Joyful Microbe Podcast. It's the show all about the microbes we encounter in our daily lives. Thank you so much for tuning in. I can't wait to share this show with you. Before we get to the episode, I want to remind you, if you haven't already gotten it, I have a free guide on the Joyful Microbe website about how to enjoy microbes in your daily life. You can grab that and get seven ideas to help open your eyes to the microbial world all around you so you will notice microbes more often throughout your day and have fun with them through hands-on activities. You can find that if you go to joyfulmicrobe.com slash daily-lives-guide. Today, I'll be chatting with Dr. Sarah Wedstat, the founder of the Bacterial World blog. She loves sharing about bacteria and all of the amazing things they do in the world. So I know you'll enjoy hearing this episode where we talk about the superpowers bacteria have and how bacteria can help us save the world. All right, let's get on to this interview. Hi, Sarah. Thanks so much for coming on the Joyful Microbe. I'm so excited that you're here. Hello. Hi. (laughs) Hi. So you and I have followed very similar career paths. Um, We even studied the same bacterium for our PhDs, Pseudomonas aeruginosa. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And you have a PhD in microbiology, did a postdoc in microbiology, and then uh, during that time started a blog called Bacterial World. Yes. And now you've recently launched a science writing business called Microbial Communications. Um, So because of our similarities in our career paths and, of course, our passion for microbiology, we've had a lot to talk about since we met and we've known each other for about two years now and met through Twitter after we ran across each other's posts about our blogs and started (laughs) chatting on a regular basis about blogging and getting started in science writing and we've had a lot of fun bouncing ideas off of each other and really like learning a lot from each other along the way. So I'd love for you to tell everyone a little bit about yourself and how you got into microbiology and you can
1: start as far back as you want to. Okay, thank you. Thanks for the great introduction, yes. It's been an absolute pleasure to be here and to talk to you officially. Um, yeah, so what brought me into microbiology i don't know, I was always fascinated by the unknown by what yeah what we don't know, but still has such a big impact on our lives, like microbes or bacteria in general, like we are such like the human body is such an advanced um system, and then there's bacteria which we can't even see, and just a few of them can make us completely sick. Like what we see now with a the pandemic, there's just this teeny tiny virus that we can't even see. And it's just completely screwing us all over. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I was always fascinated by this mechanism of yeah, what do bacteria do? How do they impact our health, our bodies, our life, our environment, everything? So, yeah, that basically brought me into microbiology. And my very first microbiology lecture, when the professor was just standing there and telling exactly what I just said, and all my uh, peers were completely (laughs) bored in that lecture. And I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. (laughs) I want to do that. (laughs) I want to learn more about this and I want to know everything about it. So, yeah, that's what brought me into microbiology. And um, I did my undergrad project in microbiology, which was pretty cool. And then I decided to do a Ph.D. in microbiology in work with bacteria. And, um, yeah, I did my PhD in how bacteria kill each other. So there's like, they're even so sophisticated that they have these advanced nanoweapons that they use to kill other bacteria. I, I just find that extremely, extremely cool and extremely fascinating. And yeah, I just... Yeah, stuck with uh, bacteria, stuck with the same bacterium um, during my postdoc. But then I also realized that I want to do a bit more than just research. And I want to yeah still learn as much as I can about microbes or about bacteria and then spread the knowledge and spread my love for them with others instead of just researching them on my own. So, yeah, that's why I decided to do, to start the blog, Bacterial World, to just talk about how amazing bacteria are what they can do how they impact our lives and yeah out of that came the whole business idea and yes with the pandemic I felt I had no other choice than just to go for it and yeah just start the science communication business and leave the lab basically Mm. and it's been good so far yeah that's
0: awesome so um you mentioned the nano weapons. I'm kind of curious like can you just give like a really simple explanation of what was
1: going on there? Yes, of course. So there's if you imagine that I don't know like in the in the forest in the soil or even in our guts there's a couple of bacteria living together and each one of them wants to survive and each one of them needs to, you know, establish their niche, which means they need to settle down and live and get rid of all the other bacteria that might challenge their own uh, living situation. So some of these bacteria develop these nanoweapons that work a bit like a bow and arrow. And these arrows sit in the outside, in the, in the, in the, envelope, in the bacterial envelope, and they basically it looks like an yeah like an arrow, and they launch these arrows and um, fire them into other bacteria and These arrows also have so called toxins attached to them, so it's like a poison that is glued to that arrow and when the bacterium fires the arrow with this poison into another bacterium, the poison has a dramatic killing effect on this other bacterium and that eventually kills the bacterium,
0: Hmm. which I
1: find pretty cool.
0: So are these, so it is Pseudomonas aeruginosa that you studied and um, were you studying a particular type of infection? And then also if they're infecting us, do these nanoweapons hurt us
1: at all? That is a good question. Um, so there's definitely research that says that these type of bacterial wars are happening in our guts, that there are some bacteria in our guts that um, try to fight the bad pathogenic bacteria to keep us healthy. Um, I did not study um, an infection. I was rather just looking into how these poisonous toxins are glued to these arrows. So I was very much into the, um, I was investigating the molecular details, like the nitty gritties of this whole weapon. Um, And the other question, whether these have an effect on our bodies. Um, in an infection that we don't really know yet either, mm. um, it's not that clear. There are some ideas that this Pseudomonas aeruginosa bacterium has an inf- impact in um, cystic fibrosis patients, but yeah, research into that is not that clear right now. Mm. Okay. So
0: what got you interested in starting a blog specifically? And what was your goal in starting it?
1: Um, Yeah, so as I said, I, I felt like after my PhD, I learned so much about bacteria and about these bacteria nanoweapons. And I had like such so much knowledge about this. But I felt that in academia, you're kind of only allowed to share all this knowledge with other academics. So you go to scientific conferences, you write scientific papers, and you, for example, talk to your lab members. And then you discuss a lot about these topics. And I mean, I love these kind of discussions and bouncing ideas and coming up with new ideas and theories and hypotheses that you then try and find the answers to in experiments. But I always felt that this knowledge that I gained, I want to share with my friends and family, for example, because I'm just, I was just so fascinated by all of this. So I, yeah, I just felt like I needed to share it. Um, So that's why I was like, okay, what's, what's the easiest way for me? So I myself, for example, I don't, sorry about this, but I myself, for example, don't really like listening to podcasts. So podcasts (laughs) was kind of out of question and the same with like video channels. And, but on the other hand, I really like reading stuff. And I think I wasn't too bad at writing about all of this. So I decided to just start a blog and, and see how it goes and how see how I like it. And that's exactly what I did. I started the blog and I, my first post was actually about these nanoweapons that I just talked about, mm. explaining them, explaining a couple of things about of my um, PhD project. And then I talked about um, my project from a postdoc. And then I was just looking into other publications or, or new publications or new bacterial concepts that I really wanted to learn about myself. So it mm-hmm. gave me a really good um, opportunity to just yeah sit down, read a couple of papers outside of my own field and learn about something completely new as well. And then, yeah, bring this knowledge out to other people and share it with everybody.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I felt very similarly that I really wanted people to get to learn the things that I was learning and just loved it so much, but then always enjoyed sharing that with other people. But then also, like you said, it's like you study something very specific and it's really fun to kind of go a little bit outside of your specific area of research and Read up on that and then share that with other people as well. Exactly. Yeah. So, whenever you're doing all of this, it's like you kind of have to learn a lot about science communication and um, you talk about that stuff. You have done some different talks online to help share science communication with other researchers and students that want to learn how to do this better. So do you have just like a favorite
1: tip or a couple of tips you'd like to share? How to better communicate your science? Um, Mm -hmm. Keep it simple like um, yeah what you just yeah like for example with the whole uh, bacterial nanoweapon um, when you talk to scientists, they often come with all this jargon and they talk about this and they use words that if I wasn't from the field, they wouldn't mean anything to me. So I'd say always think about who who is your audience and will they understand all the words that you use or can you just find simpler words? Um, to explain your research, to explain your, bacteria, your your research concept.
0: Yeah, that's an awesome tip and really helpful um, to just be kind of mindful of your audience and what they may understand and then kind of try to think about what words they may or may not know. And as scientists, that can be really difficult to understand. Um, to remember what yeah. people know and don't know. But yeah, it's a really fun exercise, I think, to try to just make things really simple. Exactly. Um so okay let's talk about bacterial world. You have some really cool topics that you've covered <laughs> on the blog and so I want to talk about them. Um you've done okay. a couple of series that are really neat. One of them is bacterial superpowers. Yeah. And then another one is how bacteria can save the planet. <laughs> so <laughs> two really fun topics. So let's yeah. talk about the superpowers first. Okay. Um what made you want to do this series?
1: Um Actually, that was inspired by a postdoc from my previous lab, who is um, Joanna Moscoso. She once rang me up. So she was a postdoc in my lab in London, and um, I knew about her, and she left academia as well, and she did also science communication, and she went into career development for academics. And... I don't know, at some point, must have been like almost two, I don't know, two years ago or something, I don't know, um, she just contacted me and she was telling me like, oh, you know what, I have this idea and I kind of want to um, write about bacterial superpowers. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's such a neat idea. I always had something similar in mind. I, I wouldn't have called it bacteria superpowers, but when she came up with that phrase, it's like, yeah, it's exactly what I want to call it. Um, just to highlight all the amazing things that bacteria do, or like not just amazing, but also really surprising. Like there's mm-hmm. so many abilities that bacteria have that we wouldn't even think about. Like why, for example, with the magnetotaxis, bacteria, some bacteria can... Um, can sense the magnetic earth field just like birds do. And I guess not many people ever thought about that before because why would they? Why why is it important to a normal person that bacteria can sense the magnetic earth field? So, um, yeah, I basically just wanted to highlight a few of these um, abilities of bacteria and, yeah, just decided to (laughs) make a series out of it. And, Yeah. yeah. I love that.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so you mentioned the, that bacteria can read and follow the Earth's magnetic field. So let's yes. talk about that one a little bit more. Sure. So what are, they, what are they doing? Why are they <laughs> following the Earth's magnetic field?
1: Okay, not all of these bacteria can actually align with the magnetic Earth field. It's just a few of them. And what these bacteria have in common is that they have, that they produce certain iron crystals. And these iron crystals, um, they're like clumps of iron, basically, and these can align in a chain. And these chains are tightly packed within the bacterium. So the bacterium has these chains um, in their outer membrane or, like, attached to the outer membrane. And because the chain aligns to to a, a magnetic field, the whole bacterium also then aligns to the bacter- to the um, magnetic field, so this is how, for example, the bacterium would always be um, looking from north to south basically, just because of these iron clusters. And when they these bacteria then start using their flagella to move, they would always go either northwards or southwards because they are so perfectly aligned to the um, Earth field. Okay, so that's really cool. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that's really weird to think about. Um, yeah. I guess it's like, you know, you you don't really think about bacteria having any sense of their surround. I don't know. You just don't think of them being as sophisticated, you know, it's but it's like they can be sophisticated and yeah. they can tell where they're going. Um, yeah. So the flagella, um, that allows them to move around. Yeah. Ha- so- how does that work exactly?
1: So the bacterial flagellum is, um, it works like a rotor, like a propeller. And it's, the bacterium has it like on one side of the cell. And it's like so deeply anchored to the, to the um, membrane of the bacterium. And when the, the flagella starts rotating, it's basically just pushing the bacterium forward. Just like a rotor on a boat would.
0: <laughs> That's neat to think about.
1: Yeah. All right.
0: So, okay. Another super power is that bacteria can actually help make chocolate taste good. <laughs> oh <laughs> and, yes. Oh yeah. I know that you love chocolate. I love oh, chocolate. Yeah. So, it but know? I think most people don't realize that bacteria actually help make it taste good yeah so just so people don't feel freaked out um let's kind of explain how this works and that there's not you know those bacteria are not still there whenever you actually go to eat your chocolate
1: no 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 <laughs> they're not no 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 um how did that happen yes so um that was actually a like the one of the the first bacterial superpower that I described in the blog. And because I was actually actually doing this, I had this list of like 20 superpowers on social media. And then I asked people, OK, which one do you care about the most and which one are you mostly <laughs> interested in and which one do you want to learn about? And people completely agreed on. What do you mean? Chocolate. <laughs> Let's go for that one. So yeah, I sat down and I learned a lot about chocolate making and how all this starts and why why are there bacteria or microbes in general. So what's happening is that um, the cocoa beans um, that um, make that are chocolate that chocolate is made from, they are covered in microbes, and when they're when these cocoa beans are harvested, all the microbes from the outside of the bean come into the inside. And the cocoa beans, they have a lot of um, sugar polymers and the bacteria then, or the microbes in general, like there's fungi and stuff as well, um, break down these polymers into sugars, into alcohols, into acetic acids, in Essex in general um and all these amazing and uh, tasteful compounds that in the end all together taste like chocolate to us yes yeah that's so neat
0: so does it I would imagine that depending on where it's fermented
1: the flavors might be kind of different do you know if that's true I think I read that, yeah, it depends on how they're roasted, how long they're roasted, um, where they're harvested from, yes, but I wouldn't know about the particulars about this.
0: Yeah, that's really neat. Um, And you guys should all go and look at the blog post about this. I'll link to it in the show notes, but there's a really (laughs) neat drawing that um, Noemi did for Sarah's blog. And it's of the the bean, and you can see the bacteria on the outside. And then once it's opened up, then the bacteria get on the inside and the fungi. And then that's how you actually end up with the microbes that do the fermentation process. So it's a neat, um, visual of that. Yeah. I love that. Um, okay. So we talked about how, Bacteria can follow the Earth's magnetic field, but then there's other ways that they know where they're going, and mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. is that for all bacteria they have chemotaxis, this thing that lets
1: them know where they're going. No, not all of them have that. Some of them do. Some don't even. Some bacteria don't even have flagella. They can't even act, um, actively move. Um, they're just being carried around by I don't know what. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, not all bacteria have flagella and not all bacteria do chemotaxis. And also chemotaxis is so different from each bacterium for for mm-hmm. all the bacteria. So some bacteria, for example, they react to sugar. Some react to poisonous or like toxic compounds. So they would go away from them to um, protect themselves. And some, for example, they react to... Um, compounds from our body. So in that case, the bacterium would know that they are within the human body and then they can start, for example, their virulence program and they can start become really nasty. Mm.
0: Yeah. So this is really neat that they can tell where they are and actually move towards things that they want, food or whatever it is, um, Mm -hmm. through this mechanism called chemotaxis so yeah i like that that's a really cool superpower <laughs> are there mm-hmm.
1: any others that you'd want to mention um what else do i want to mention uh we just for example a couple of weeks ago we wrote about um the bacterium calobacter crescentus which uh produces the the microbial strongest superglue so this bacterium is actually pretty cool. And again, I just learned about it. I mean, I knew that it existed. I knew like the rough concept of what it does. But um, when I read more into this for this blog post, it was just too cool. So there's this bacterium, cardobacter, which has like a, like a comma shape. And on one side of the bacterium, it has a, a stalk. A stalk. With which it can attach to the to any surface, basically. And this stalk produces a super strong, super glow, so that the bacterium is so tightly attached to any surface um, that even in waters or when there's like strong currents, it would just stay where it is. It wouldn't wouldn't be flushed away, which I just find absolutely amazing. Yeah,
0: that is so cool. The idea of them making something like super glue. I yeah. love that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so you have another series called How Bacteria Can Save the Planet. And I think most people care about that.
1: Yeah, <laughs> if not they, everyone. Should, huh? <laughs> they should. They so, should.
0: But who would have ever thought the, the tiniest things <laughs> could help us in that way? Yeah. Um So let's talk about how they can degrade plastic, because I'm not sure
1: how well known that is. Yeah, that is, that's a good one. Um, Yeah, so I mean, we all know that plastic waste is a huge problem for our planet, for our environment, for the oceans. There's just so bad for, yeah, for everything, for animals. And uh, yeah, it just breaks my heart to see all of this, like all the plastic waste anywhere. And um, yeah, researchers found that a few bacteria, again, it's not all of them. It's just a few like superheroes of them that can degrade plastic. And it, they do it because they have some amazing enzymes that can, that work like scissors that break down these super, um, super harsh plastic molecules into teeny tiny compounds that they can live with. And actually they eat these, which is pretty cool.
0: Yeah, that's really neat. And this process usually takes a really long time to break down plastic. In your blog, it says that a grocery bag can take 10 to 20 years to break down a plastic bottle, 100 to 450 years. Yep. They're speeding this up by a lot. So um, do you know off the top of your head how long it takes them to
1: do this? How long bacteria take I don't know. I'm not sure that would be actually known. I guess there's like um rates on how fast these enzymes work, but I wouldn't know how like if you have a certain amount of plastic and how much bacteria or how many bacteria would you need to like degrade it completely. i d I don't know whether this has been done, it would be interesting to see. Um but yeah, I wouldn't yeah. know right now. Yeah. Well, it's
0: really neat that they can actually do it and mm-hmm. <laughs> that we are trying so hard to figure out how to do it, but then it's like, well, there are microbes that can actually do those reactions for us. For us, um, And then I should note too that um, you have a couple of other people that write on your blog and Rachel Burkhart wrote yep. that article. So exactly, that's really neat. And then she also wrote um, about how microbes can clean up toxic messes and <laughs> Yes, that is called bioremediation. Yes. And, um, I love this. I think this is really neat too. So can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Um, yes, sure. Um, yeah, Rachel has been doing a fantastic job with all these blog posts, um, and she's helping a lot. It's, it's amazing. Um, So, yeah, bioremediation, again, it's a huge problem that we have with, like, chemicals and industrial discharge in the waters or, like, oil spillages. And, again, it's just bacteria that come and they just eat all of this. They just eat all the oil or these chemicals or they like having toxic metals within, like, yeah, they They just like eating them.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's super weird to think about yeah. because it's like we would hate those things. Yes. <laughs> it reminds me of Extremophiles, the um, which was in a uh, previous episode with Dr. Adrienne Kish, and she talks about these organisms that can live in extreme environments. And um, yeah, so I'd imagine that heavy metals is probably one of those types of environments, but then some yeah. organisms are totally fine with. Yeah. They couldn't live without are, them. Yeah. And that levels that are way higher than, um, than what we would ever be able to survive in. And so I'm not sure if they would be extremophiles or extremo tolerant, but it's still neat to think about that any organisms can live in those types of environments. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the last one I wanted to talk to, to talk <laughs> about is microbial nanowires. And um so that you call it a green solution for electronic waste. Yes. <clears throat> So how does that work?
1: Yeah, that is pretty cool. Again, I mean, everything's pretty cool. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so again, we have this problem of like electronic waste or um, yeah, it's just what we need for our computers, for all the technology that we use these days. It becomes so sophisticated, but then we have so much waste. That just sits in the environment and that has huge negative impacts on the environment and on our health and stuff. So, researchers found that there are some bacteria, again, it's just a few bacteria that can actually do that. They can produce Mm -hmm. so called um, microbial nanowires. And these nanowires are actually protein structures. And so they're like long protein fibers. And these Protein fibers, they can transport electrons just like electric cables would do. And these nanowires are also super tolerant because they can withstand temperatures for up to 100 degrees or something. They can, um, they still work in like chemicals or toxic um, environments. Um, so, and yeah, they are green. So, I mean, even though bacteria produce these protein wires, there's also bacteria that can degrade them. So in case we get rid of them, we just bring them basically back into the environment and bacteria can take care of them again, which, <laughs> w- which would not happen with all the um, all the um, electric cables that we use right now. So, yeah. It would be an alternative.
0: Yeah. That is so crazy to think about that we might be able to one day have um, wires that are made by bacteria.
1: That would be so cool, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: I love that. So from having the blog about bacteria what um, we've talked about a lot of cool stuff that impacts <laughs> our daily lives, but kind of what overall have you learned that you think about the, in your day to day that relates to microbes?
1: Um, in my day to day, yeah, I think that's kind of where the whole fascination for bacteria came from in the first place of how bacteria impact our bodies. So I think the the simplest to say is just like what do we eat and how do we feed the bacteria in our guts and how do we help them digest food and all of this um so yeah i, I read about yeah obviously there's probiotics there's prebiotics there's symbiotics all these biotics things um that have all these fancy names i mean not everything is well known yet and we still don't understand whether each Uh, well yeah whether each fermented foods actually has probiotics Um, i'm not saying that it's just like in general how yeah what we eat and yeah what we basically feed the bacteria in our guts how that impacts us and how how it makes us feel
0: do you mind giving like a brief explanation of probiotics, prebiotics, and synbiotics, because those are kind of like yes. fancy terms. Yeah, exactly. Things that people probably don't even realize they've encountered.
1: Exactly. Um, yeah, so probiotics are, generally speaking, bacterial strains that have a beneficial impact on our health. So there are, for example, the lactobacillus bacteria, these are the ones that you find in yogurts. There is bifidobacterium, which is also in yogurts or in, um, in like these energy, no, not energy drinks, in these um, digesting, you know, the digestion activating drinks um, or whatever. So these are probiotics. Then there's prebiotics is basically what you feed your bacteria. So this can be anything from vegetables or fruits or onions and garlic and fibers, all of the good stuff that the uh, good beneficial bacteria in your gut need to live and flourish. And the these probiotic bacteria then produce all the amazing chemicals in our guts to make that that keep us healthy um and that have impacts on our overall behavior and mood and every anything i'm and yeah yeah (laughs) yeah and then symbiotics and symbiotics are basically if i'm i'm pretty sure that they're both right the probiotics yep. and yeah, yeah. The probiotics and prebiotics together. So symbiotics are like the bacteria plus they come with their own food. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I I haven't read that much about symbiotics. I'm kind of curious. Um I'm gonna have to look into it to find out if they how common they are actually finding yeah, those in know. the grocery store or you know, wherever, natural food store or something. Yeah, I don't um, know, I don't know. Yeah. But anyway, so it's kind of interesting to think about that, though, especially with prebiotics, because that's something that we can think about is that we're actually feeding the microbes in our mm-hmm. bodies. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so yes. it's like you can just reflect on that. OK, everything that I eat is going to feed something that's in the, in my yep. gut. So yep. um, I think that's kind of a neat concept. Um. So is there anything that you kind of would want to clear up or make more clear to people that um, might be reading your blog? Like, what's the biggest thing that you want people to know about the bacterial world?
1: Um, that not all bacteria are bad. I'm still, especially now with the whole pandemic going on, I'm still surprised and sad to see or to hear how often people think that all microbes or all bacteria are bad. You just see them, it's like, oh my God, don't don't eat this dirty thing because you know it could have bacteria on it. And I'm like, so what? I mean, most of the bacteria, <laughs> 95% of the bacteria that we know of have beneficial impacts. They're good for us. We need them. They produce stuff for us. It's not just in our health, like even in industry and, and anywhere. Um, it's unfortunately it's always the the bad guys that we hear about most, or like yeah, that obviously have the worst impact. And then there's this virus, and everybody now is afraid of viruses. Well, viruses have been with us forever. I mean, <laughs> yeah, there there's nothing new about them. It's just something new about this one. But yeah, no, generally we know they exist, and we know there was always this uh, chance of another pandemic or diseases or, yeah, you
0: know. Yeah. And it, when it comes to viruses too, there, there are actually viruses that attack bacteria that we can use as a form of therapeutics to work yeah. with antibiotics. And they've been shown to actually work really well. And I think that's not really all that well known. Yeah. Um, But I will say that there is an awesome book about that. So if anybody does want to know a little bit more about that and learn about it from a really engaging author, um, it's called The Perfect Predator by Stephanie Strathdee. And I love that book and highly recommend it. And it's Mm -hmm. about this idea of taking viruses, phages actually, that attack bacteria and treating infections with them. Um, so are there any resources that you can recommend? So if people want to go deeper on this topic, um, they can obviously go to your website, Material exactly. World, and I'll link to that in the show notes. But are there any other um, websites or books or articles on this topic that you'd want to recommend?
1: Yeah, um, books. Um, I really enjoyed reading um, Deadly Companions by, oh, I don't know. What was her name? Who wrote it? A will link to it. Yeah, um, that was, um, yeah, so that t- talks a lot about how microbes um, influenced our culture in the world history or like all the different pandemics that we already encountered in, in like the last thousands of years and how they shaped cultures and history and yeah i found that in, incredibly fascinating and then mm. again yeah there's this new pandemic now and people are just surprised of like oh my god where does that come from well yeah no they have been with us forever um yeah, <laughs> yeah so that was a really great book um otherwise there's this book by ed young i contain multitudes Which also is amazing about um, it talks a lot about uh, where where we encounter microbes and bacteria in our daily lives and again we would be nothing without them and um, how they always impacted us from evolution to yeah again digestion health anything really yeah I can highly recommend that one as well
0: yeah I love that book I have it sitting on my desk right here (laughs) I grab it every once in a while and look at um, different things that I'm kind of reading about or writing about. So mm-hmm. that's a great one. Yeah. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Of course. Um, where can everyone find, follow, and connect with you?
1: Um, you can find me on Twitter as Dr. Bommel, and you can find the, um, the blog at Bacterial World on Twitter as well, or you can find me on LinkedIn and just send me an email as well. I'm happy to talk to anyone about microbes, about science communication or a mix of these two.
0: Awesome. Well, we'll link to all of your stuff, your websites mm-hmm. and um thank you again so much. This has been really fun, and I especially have loved talking about the superpowers and how bacteria can save the world, so this is yes. awesome. Yes. Thank you so
1: much for the invitation. It's really good chatting with you.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Joyful Microbe podcast. Don't forget, you can grab the free guide on the website to learn seven ways to enjoy microbes in your daily life. You can find that if you go to joyfulmicrobe.com slash daily dash lives dash guide. Please subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. And if you'd like to help others who love microbes to find the podcast, then please leave a rating and review for the show. And tell a friend. To learn more about the Joyful Microbe, head on over to joyfulmicrobe.com where you'll find the show notes and all the links and resources mentioned in this episode. Thanks again, Microbe friend. Talk to you next time.